0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Wednesday edition
1: of the final drive. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you this afternoon. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And of course, you can correspond with us on the free Sound of Mobile app. That's a free downloadable app. To any Android or Apple device that you may have, we would love to get the feedback from you, the criticism, the critiques, your own comments on every topic that we're going to be discussing today. You can call us the old-fashioned way as well, 251-694-1055. That's
2: 251-694-1055 is how you can chime in. Criticism, critique, critiques, compliments aren't bad either. We accept those as well, even though they're a little more rare. But guys, we got a great show for you this afternoon. We're going to be talking about Kirby Smart and his comments, is Georgia the best place to go if you want to make the NFL? Caleb Williams' dad says, hey, if we don't like who has the first pick, my son is willing to stay. Joey Bosa got the bag. He's the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Dion says that Nebraska rivalry is personal. Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, they're not going to be in that first Chiefs game potentially on tomorrow. NFL Power Rankings, they're out. And Ezekiel Elliott is rocking some very expensive new bling. But before we get to that, Corey, you introduced me to a new word earlier before the show. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Lank. Have you heard of lank? I've heard lanky which I'm referred to as
1: sometimes. You have a long, lanky player, but the word and the acronym LANK, L-A-N-K, it means a lot to the Alabama Crimson Tide this season, and it stands for Let a Naysayer Know, LANK. Let a Naysayer Know, and it's come up with by Jalen Milrow and Terrion Arnold of the Crimson Tide because Naysayers have been abound, and plenty of naysayers going into Jalen Mirro's opening quarterback QB1 performance versus Middle Tennessee State. Terryon Arnold again being torched last year for his secondary coverage at times and lack of leadership in the secondary for the Crimson Tide. So the Crimson Tide's motto as a unit is Lank. Let a naysayer know. So
2: you, Nick, we're going to link naysayers. Am I? Am I one of the naysayers? Are they going to let me know? Indeed, you are. So
1: they're talking directly to you. And when they you see Alabama's Crimson Tide players put up an L, it's not saying that you're a loser. It's just starting with Lank. Let a naysayer know. So I'm kind of all in on this acronym for the Crimson Tide moving forward this season. And we'll see here if they let the naysayers know who don't believe that they can beat Texas by a substantial margin coming
2: into Bryant-Denny Stadium this Saturday. Speaking of naysayers, me, I guess, being one of them, everyone thinks I'm the world's biggest Alabama hater, right? Who would you say, let's say you're a high school recruit. You're one of the top high school recruits. You got big NFL dreams. What school are you going to? I'm going to tell you something, Nick. I already know. I
1: didn't know why I asked. Within the last two years, if I'm a defensive lineman or a defensive back, I'm going to say, sign me up, Kirby Smart. I'm all in on Georgia. Now, prior to these last two years, to where (laughs) – Kirby Smart's entire defensive unit gets drafted. I would have said Alabama and Nick Saban are the king of defensive college football.
2: Yeah, well, let's see. Let's see what Kirby had to say. And and we actually spoke to the reporter who asked this question, right? Yes, absolutely. Brooks Austin, Dogs
1: Nation chimes in and wants to let Kirby Smart know, man. What do you say to those naysayers? in regards to Georgia not still being able to get the top-tier recruits.
0: Coach, when we talked to Mikel yesterday, he mentioned how you guys are a team-oriented pass-rushing unit. Mm -hmm. Is that something you guys ever have to fight against on the recruiting trails? Is it something other teams use as a tactic? Like, hey, their guys don't get stats. Well, we usually fix that when we show them how many we have drafted,
3: and that it's silenced because we put Travon Sachs up there and say he went number one overall. We put Devontae's up there and say he went in the first round. We put Quay's up there. We put Nolan's up there. We put Jordan Davis's, and then they don't say anything. See
1: you. <laughs> See you. He dropped the mic. See you. Kirby Smart dropped the mic on behind the naysayers. And people who are bad-mouthing the Georgia Bulldogs' ability to recruit.
2: They don't get stats, apparently. But, look, the proof is in the pudding. They get to the league, right? You might not lead the SEC in sacks, but you're going to lead the SEC in potentially uh, payroll next year at who's playing at that NFL level. And that's all that matters, right? These kids are just trying to build a future for themselves. So, look, I I think Georgia and Alabama had the same amount of players going the first round. Last year, I do think Georgia had more players get drafted than Alabama. Man, I I know I always allude to the Saban dynasty's sun potentially setting. But Kirby, man, if you take the past out of the equation and you really only focus on the past, well, you're still focusing on the past, but then the recent past, the past two years, that's back-to-back chips, man. You know, if I was in a, in a coma for 20 years and I woke up two years ago, I'd think Kirby Smart was the best coach I'd ever seen, right? <laughs> if that's all I'd seen. And all these kids, right? These kids are young. So you got to think, this kids you got a 15-year-old, right? Or a 17-year-old right now. When they've really been watching football and paying attention to football, who's been on top? Georgia. It's about
1: that brand. And you look at eight Georgia defenders, drafted in the 2022 NFL draft that that's a ridiculous amount of numbers and when you have the entire Georgia defense being selected in the year before that that's just stuff that's legendary I mean having the entire defense to go into an NFL draft unbelievable and it's no doubt why you are your back-to-back national champions within the last two years. And it's just you, you rinse, wash, and repeat. And I'll be honest with you, coming off of the first national championship for Kirby Smart, losing as many as eight defenders like he did, I said there's no way. This, this defense will be able to step up to the plate and go ahead and be back-to-back national champions and I think that's the chip on the shoulder. That's the type of swagger that Kirby Smart has saying, look, man, I'm a defensive guy. You can you cannot believe in the Bulldogs recruiting ways and how we replenish depth if you want to, but I can show you better than I can tell you and he did exactly that by becoming back-to-back national champions.
2: That's right, man. And look, we're talking about draft potential and who's the best at that. Well, we all know and the world knows who the first pick of the draft next year is going to be. It's going to be former Heisman Trophy and potentially two-time Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, the quarterback out there at USC. The dad says, now hang on a sec. Hang on one second. If we don't like who's picking number one, My son is fine with staying and playing here in Southern Cal because I'm pretty sure the NIL that he's getting paid is about what you're going to get paid on a rookie deal. And I think right now everyone's suspecting that it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals down there picking number one, which is odd to me because they just paid Kyler Murray that big (laughs) giant deal, which doesn't make sense. But here's a team that could also maybe not have that good of a year and could be number one. What if the Rams can't really figure it out this year? Got a lot of young guys, a couple older guys. I feel like they're right there, potentially the team that could really fall off a cliff. They have their first-round pick this year. The rest of them are all gone, but they have this one. So can you imagine if if he could stay in Southern Cal and play for the Rams? Man, that'd be awesome. But I, 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 I don't... I think he's subtweeting, for lack of a better word, I ain't going to Arizona because y'all ain't ain't right out there. He, He doesn't want any part of
1: the Arizona Cardinals. And you really haven't seen a quarterback absolutely just come out and flat out say, I don't want any part of an NFL franchise. Eli Manning is the last one that comes to my mind in regards to a draftable quarterback in the NFL, Eli Manning flat out told the Chargers, nope, not going to happen, buddy, not today, not tomorrow, not ever will I be going and being part of that nice powder blue and lightning bolt because they weren't going to protect him, and he didn't want to go where he's beat and battered. Now, you look at the people that you're following up with, imagine this. Back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner, okay? Okay you're looking at prior to the season starting, Caleb Williams' NIL worth at $2.6 million. Mm-hmm. You find a way to go back-to-back back as far as from a Heisman Trophy standpoint, and now you're looking at probably an extra million dollars tacked onto that two point six, And $1.6 million is the base salary this season for one Trevor Lawrence who's in the NFL. Right. Now, signing bonuses, you're not going to be able to touch that, right? That's because right. The, the number one overall pick, Bryce Young, I want to say 30 plus million guaranteed mm-hmm. signing bonus as a rookie, whatever the highest there is for Bryce to make. Caleb can make that kind of guaranteed money, but he can guaranteed to be on his back looking up a lot at the sky. And I don't mean praying. I mean being knocked on his keister by whatever team picks him overall number one because you look at the brainchild of Caleb Williams' father just going back and looking at people like, Kyler Murray struggling when he's drafted. Baker Mayfield struggling when he's drafted. There have been quarterbacks who come into bad and terrible situations. That's why everyone keeps their fingers crossed about Bryce Young. We know that he's not the strongest. We know he's one of the most elusive quarterbacks you'll ever find. But he can't be being kicked on his can every single week in the NFL throughout 18 weeks and sustain his health. It just cannot happen.
2: Yeah, it's going to be tough for Bryce Young because I think he's going to be really, you know, for lack of a better word, being targeted by defensive players because I think they know that they can really knock uh, him to the ground hard and send a message. So, I mean, I feel for the guy. It's going to be tough for him. I mean, even in week one against Atlanta, man, they're going to be coming after that guy. But do you think that Caleb Williams' dad is what – obviously they speak, and I'm sure they've talked about it, you know, with his camp and everything, what team do you think that he's alluding to saying that, you know what, we'll, we'll be willing to stay if we need to? Do you think that – I think it's Arizona. I don't think anybody would want to go out there. What, what other teams do you think it could be? Or, or do you think that they're just kind of li- making it a very broad message? Like, look, if we're, if we're not comfortable, we're not going to come out.
1: I think it's a broad message because you look at what happened one year ago. Were the Panthers supposed to draft number one? No, they were not. The Bears were supposed to be drafted number one. That did not happen. So at any point in time, teams can pull the shocking trade off at the last minute to where if you've already declared yourself coming back to USC, then that's what you have to do. There is a deadline that you have to meet make and right. if you don't make that then you're in a situation where you're stuck at usc for another year now being stuck at usc another year making 3.6 million dollars in nil part of that being his heisman trophy winning nissan commercials that he's still cutting mm-hmm. love to see the new commercials these last couple of weeks with tim tebow and kayla williams being roommates right. in the nissan heisman commercials that kind of stuff is pretty interesting but 2.6 million dollars how do you how do you turn that down as a college athlete knowing that but here's here's what happens Nick you may turn it down next year as an overall number one but why in the world and how can you control it moving forward for the next year what's there's no guarantee that a team's not going to be even in worse shape trying to draft you at number one and now you're a senior and you have no choice
2: but to come out right? Yeah, I mean, it's risky business. Brick in the app with one comment earlier that I'm not going to comment on, but he just made another comment. Caleb Williams is a walking red flag from the fingernails to refusing to be in the new NCAA video game that's coming out to now this. What do you think? Is he a red flag or is it more of a I know what I want, I know what I deserve, and that's what I'm going to get? I know what I
1: want, I know what I deserve, and that's what I'm going to get. I I think that's where we are with him. And that's where, again, that's his father speaking for him. So there's not too many fathers out there who don't speak for their child, especially at that situation. So we'll see what happens. I know we have a caller that wants to chime in this afternoon on the final drive. How's it going?
4: Going good. not talking about the college, I want to ask about the local high school's stats. Where would be a good place to find the stats for the local high school teams? So i like to see how the uh, Spartans and uh,
3: Murphy are doing. So
1: Max Preps is an outstanding source to where you can go to Max Preps and find those stats for certain. That is one to where you just search the school on Max Preps. Sometimes it's under huddle. As well, it's up to the coaches to go ahead and post those stats. And then, of course, al.com does a tremendous job throughout the entire high school football season of putting box recaps of the highlights of the main players and the main events. So you can find stats online at al.com for whatever high school game that you were looking at to see. But if you want team stats, you have to go to MaxPreps.
2: All right, well there you go. A little info for you, high school football fans out there. Uh man, look, we're talking about Caleb Williams and what he's getting paid. But man, Joey Bosa, that man got paid. There's It's such so different, right? We see what Joey Bosa's getting paid, and then you got Riley Leonard. You know, oh my gosh, my homework's gonna be late. And then Caleb Williams, he's right there in the middle trying to decide. Does Caleb Williams even go to class? I don't know. It's, it, it, football, he, man, he, he it's probably such a goes spectrum. To,
1: it's such a spectrum. Hey, he can go to classes online because he's one of those superstars like LSU has on campus sometimes to where right. when you're too big time, everything's That's online. Right. They was
2: trying to get her on the Manning cast. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to happen.
1: And speaking of Manning cast, saw a new commercial for the debut of the Manning cast with Peyton and Eli. Man, that's some great stuff as you had to audition for the Manny Cast. Don't have to audition next for the final drive coming right back.
5: Hey, this is Buggs Blakes from the world famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile.
2: Welcome back to the final drive, and guys, we've been talking about it all week. You got to come out to the Outsider downtown to come watch the Alabama-Texas game with us. You can get a free t-shirt. You'll have the chance to win an Alabama jersey. You can enter the drawing that the Outsider's doing to win Iron Bowl tickets. You got to come out and watch the game there. If you don't got plans, don't just watch it in your recliner at home. Come on out to the Outsider downtown Mobile and watch it with us. It is going to be a fun time. And you know what was also a fun time, at least for me, last night? So here at WNSP at the Sound of Mobile, 92 Zoo included, we did a, we're doing a little fantasy league between us. The Taco Mama Fantasy League. And, man, I was having a good time watching how some of y'all were drafted. <laughs> or you take a kicker in like the fourth
1: round? you 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 never know <laughs> what kind of valuable points uh-huh. and you have to consider those teams that struggle in the red zone area sure. putting up those points so you, you can't have a fantasy league team without a premier kicker yeah but you didn't you
2: didn't even take Justin Tucker
1: i did oh you did yeah oh, i did okay. take tucker <laughs> That was somebody else. Yeah, that's that's why that's why that's why I took the number one kicker off of the board because I go. know he, he's he's money and I took Lutz too, Lutz. I mean, what look, you two you, kickers for they don't get hurt. It, well, you got to have a kicker
2: during your bye week. I guess
1: so. You, you got to. So. Everybody's got a bye week.
2: Hey man, some people are nervous about Will Lutz. He's a you know a he's used to kicking in the dome, and now you're kicking up there with the altitude all messed up and no coverage over the the top that's a great thing though he that's, missed he missed the most kicks that he's ever missed last year I, I will say that as far
1: as him changing scenery the mile high the mm-hmm. atmosphere I think will be great for him Sean Payton knew what he was doing did you see Sean Payton's comments about Russell Wilson no I, I'm quite sure he has some
2: great insight on Russell. He said it's time for, well, I don't have the exact quote. It's like, it's time for him to stop kissing babies and start focusing on football again. You know, because Russell Wilson, we, we all know what all the drama was uh, last year about, you know, Russell Wilson, he's got his own parking spot, he's got his own, like, office and team, and he felt, separated from the rest of the Denver Broncos and we know how the Denver Broncos season went last year Sean Payton's up in there and he's basically saying hey Russ it's time to cut the crap we got to win some football games now will they I don't know I don't think the Raiders are going to be all that much so that's one team out the way in your division but man those Chiefs are still going to be looking good and the Chargers are looking good as usual even though they never come through at the end but hey speaking of the Chiefs who play tomorrow against the Detroit Stephen Root Lions, they're going to be down a couple guys. I think the
1: biggest one that you also look at is Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey, a player, when one player misses a game and moves the entire Vegas line, what does that let you know? That lets you know that you're definitely having issues as far as what that impact player can mean. And it's a hyperextended knee for travis kelsey as yesterday that late breaking news did cause the line to ship and and the chiefs are going to have all they can handle with the detroit lions and this is a detroit lions franchise that is expected to do great things this year the, the franchise is red hot the motor city is on fire to see and open up with the back I say defending world champions, I would say back-to-back, but you, you look at Mahomes and what he wasn't able to do for one year, but Andy Reid and the Chiefs without Kelsey, we'll see how they are. Caller, I, I know you're you're tuning in, and, and thank you for calling this afternoon to the final drive.
4: Hey, guys, St. David here. My only problem with uh, Corey uh,
6: drafting a kicker in the fourth round is, is the fact he didn't draft Will Lutz in the fourth round.
1: Look, w- you, uh, with you think, that said, go ahead. Tuck, Tucker Tucker, not over Lutz? No? No,
4: I'd, uh, no, I'd take Will Lutz over uh, Tucker any day. With that said, here is St. David's white-hot burning prediction for tomorrow night's game.
2: Okay. Detroit by two. Detroit is by two? That, is that really that white-hot?
4: So, yeah, that's that's why I'm, gonna, I'm predicting that the Detroit Lions are not only going to uh, win tomorrow night, but they're going to win the,
1: uh, the NFC Central Division this year. I like that prediction. Yeah, I'll roll with that.
2: Why not Detroit? They're due. Look, you sound like Steven Root, man. And, and a lot of people, they're really high on Detroit this year. So, I, don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily call that white hot of a take. Um, I, I would compare that to like when my mom uh, eats, you know, like some mild salsa and she says, oh, my gosh, this is so spicy. Like maybe to you it's hot, but to me, pretty mild. Dan Campbell going to do something that
1: I can't recall the last time the Lions were of some relevance in the nfl it barry sanders even when they had megatron
2: i love the megatron and stafford i love those teams
1: they they just couldn't get over that hump and you look at beyond that going back to the barry sanders days he's juking and jibing for his life and is going east and west more so than north and south and still one of the nfl's most prolific rushers of all time so the lions I'm with you, St. Dave. I like the Lions to give the Chiefs all they can handle. Not so Jerry fast, Goof. my friend. Not so fast, my friend. I think it'll be the flip-flop of that. Two-point favorites for the Chiefs. So you got the Chiefs of the Lions.
2: Winning. Chiefs in a close one. Okay. I don't know who Mahomes is going to throw it to. Maybe our, our guy, Kadarius Toney. If he if he plays. Yeah. If he
1: plays coming back from that meniscus. Looking forward to that. 330 Coming up here on The Final Drive, we'll be right back.
7: This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Hump Day Wednesday edition. And of course, as we get closer To Auburn taking on California on the West Coast. I'd like to catch up with my man Daryl Dapridge. Of course, he's a contributor to Locked On Auburn. And Daryl, how's everything going for you this afternoon, my friend?
8: Man, it's going great. Corey and Nick, great to be on with you guys. Appreciate you having me.
1: Absolutely. Hugh Freeze preparing to go to the West Coast, trying to figure out those travel plans for the Auburn Tigers program and anytime you're playing the latest game in the history of Auburn then I know that you have to be prepared to to make up for the time difference and the time zones that you're going to be going through and how do you best get ready for Cal a team that may be without their starting quarterback.
8: Yeah, I heard the latest report I got is that Sam Jackson has been practicing. Uh, they expect him to play, although they listed him as questionable, but they've got two concerns around, along the offensive line. Uh, their best offensive lineman is, supposed to, is doubtful, and their center is also doubtful. So that could create a little bit of a problem. Of course, Sam Jackson, their starting quarterback, went down in C- series number two with a shoulder injury against North Texas last week. Finley came in, Finley, a different type of quarterback, more of a traditional pocket passer, Jackson's an RPO guy. So what that does, guys, is it makes Ron Roberts prepare for both types of quarterbacks. That makes preparation a little bit more difficult because you have to look at both skill sets, both styles, and prepare for two different types of QBs.
1: That's always a critical part when you have to look at two different type of quarterbacks. Cal coming in totaling 669 yards of offense, 357 on the ground, passing for 312. So the balance is definitely there for the Bears. And I know that when you're looking at Auburn lining up and making sure Hugh Freeze made no bones about it, the misalignments and the fits that have to be in place for Auburn defensively, one of the people that can help with that is Nehemiah Pritchard, who did not play in the opener against UMass that I know coach freeze would love to make the trip and be able to produce.
8: Yes. Auburn had problems even in the spring with setting the edge and giving up running plays that get bounced outside. I saw that in a day and then we saw it again last week. So Pritchett playing corner and a guy that can get people lined up correctly and also is a good tackler on the edge. And Jalen McLeod, the transfer linebacker, edge rusher from App State, who's, who's probably Auburn's most effective pass rusher from that position, should be back playing. I think that'll help the defense. But at the end of the day, Cal's got a running back in Jay Nott, who's a stud. I mean, this kid is a sophomore, he had 190 yards against North Texas, but he's had some big games last year as a freshman as well. He's more of a north-south between the tackle type runner, which is Auburn strength with Justin Rogers and Jason Jones and Marcus Harris, some of the big guys. Again, the concern is undersized linebackers and safeties setting the edge. So it'll be interesting to see if Pritchett and McLeod help in that area. I think, I think Auburn's going to give up some yards and they're going to give up some points, I just don't think Cal is going to be able to, because their defense is pretty porous. And I don't know if Cal can stay, you know, stay with Auburn scoring-wise. This is a game that Auburn's going to have to outscore. But I don't know if Cal's passing game is enough to provide balance against Auburn's really, really good secondary. And pass rush looked effective against UMass as well. If Cal gets one-dimensional and tries to rely on Ott, he could get 180 and Cal may only have 300 total yards, and that's not going to be enough to beat Auburn.
2: Talking with Daryl Dapper, he's keeping us locked on Auburn. Now, look, you're talking about Cal right there. Auburn's only a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Cal. Is is Cal a, a really good team? Is Auburn not that good, or is it the travel that's being taken into account there? What do you think on that?
8: I think it's the unknown. I think Cal didn't have a good year at all last year. They were one of the, the bottom feeders in the pac 12 but they did flip their roster. Not only did they return a lot of guys, which, you know, that could be good news or bad news if you if, if you have a bad year, but I think these guys got more experience. They also did a lot like Auburn did and went to the transfer portal and got a lot of new players. I think so that, that aspect of, I think the people thinking Cal will be somewhat improved over last year and then having to go play on the West Coast. I think that's an unknown variable for any team east of the Mississippi. To have to go out and start a game at 9.30 our time, uh, prime time out in California, what that looks like. Now, look, at Cal Memorial Stadium, I've actually been fortunate enough to, to, to have been to a football game there when I used to live on the West Coast. It's not by any means an intimidating venue. I'm not trying to say, just. I'm just saying what there's no upper bowl. It seats about 40 or 50,000. It can get loud. There's no doubt. Their fans can get rabid and get really, really into the game. But it's not like Auburn having to go to Death Valley or Brian Denny or the Swamp. Peyton Thorne, the starting quarterback for Auburn, has been to Michigan and Ohio State and to Penn State. So I don't know how much of a crowd factor there's going to be in that stadium because it's not a, a very intimidating. The problem will be execution or maybe travel, if, in my opinion, is why that line is at six and a half. And you're playing, again, game number two. You're on the road against another Power 5 school, um, I think that that, prob- that line is probably fair, and I would expect Almer to cover that line.
2: Do, do you think that Hugh Freeze revealed all of his cards on Saturday, or are there still a couple more tricks up his sleeve that he's going to use on Cal, or do you think he's just saving some things maybe until that first SEC game against A&M? He
8: doesn't need to save it for the A&M game he's got to win this game I think for Auburn to get to a decent season seven eight wins they have to win all of their non-conference games they've got to win this game you lose this game the season could look very different because now you're you have the potential to go three and one in your non-conference games then you would have to win like four or five games in conference to even get to seven or eight wins so this is a must win I don't think he's going to hold anything out I think he did Hold a lot out against UMass. He said as much in his post-game press conference where he said, you know, we held a lot back. Um, we didn't show everything. We, we, we really, uh, you know, kept some things close to the vest in our back pocket. I think one of those is they never threw the ball to Rivaldo Fairweather, the tight end that I think is going to be a tremendous weapon inside the red zone. They didn't throw it to him. Uh, They didn't throw any really screen passes. They didn't do some things. They ran Robbie a lot, but they didn't throw off the RPO with Robbie, which I think is a, a very, very dangerous weapon to have. When people start sneaking up in the box and start to overplay the run with either Robbie keeping or Robbie handing it off, if he, you know, fakes it, pulls it, and throws it downfield, that could be a problem, that slant off the RPO. There's a lot of things I saw in some scrimmages that I was able to attend and in practices that they did not show, and I would say look for Robbie to get some packages where he throws it a little bit, and look for Fairweather, the big tight end for Auburn, to probably be more of a more play more of a part in the offense this
1: week. Well, the defense really is going to be without Austin Keys out with a thumb injury. Coach Free said today in his teleconference that he's going to be out for a while, and you pile that on top of Nehemiah pritchard being out it's going to be the next man up and the rotation for auburn is already depth is going to be an issue defensively but offensively that was the biggest question mark for this year's squad because auburn really struggled keeping people upright but a good sign in the first week gunner britain sec lineman of the week
8: yeah, the, the first, the, to your point about the linebacker position, you know, Keyes was the guy that was going to be counted on to go sideline to sideline, uh, as we talked about setting that edge. But Eugene Asante, who did not start, came in after Keyes hurt his thumb and really was the best linebacker on the field in that game. Got got a sack, got a lot of tackles. So he should be able to step in along with Larry Nixon the third and Cam Riley, hopefully, and solidify that linebacking core as far as Gunnar Britain, very interesting thing that Hugh Freeze said in his press conference I've never heard in all my years covering college football. Auburn purposely used a variety of combinations along the offensive line Saturday, four or five different combinations. And typically you see that being done to maybe build depth or to give guys breathers, or that kind of thing. Gunner Britton played three different positions along the offensive line in Saturday alone. And him being able to do that, and being that flexible, and, and being that versatile, allowed Almer to run different combinations, because Ufree says he they want to go fast. And the only way they can go fast is to keep offensive linemen fresh. And the only way to keep offensive linemen fresh is to have different combinations at tackle and guard. Gunner Britton is the key cog in that wheel because he's able to move along that offensive line from tackle to guard in different sides to do that, and that speaks volumes about a kid that I think is going to have a future in the NFL with that kind of versatility.
1: Well, let's also take a look at Auburn being able to pick up quietly a four-star commitment in the class of 2024, four-star offensive tackle DeAndre Carter out of Matterday, California. Not a lot of hype because of Auburn's first win and the big-time celebration in a record-setting crowd at Jordan Hare, and looking forward to California. Yeah,
8: it's interesting. I didn't know Auburn was allowed to sign four-star offensive linemen. <laughs> so that's uh, from high school. So I think that that's a definitely a trend that Hugh Freeze is trying to reverse. And, and DeAndre Carter is a massive human. He's a kid that a lot of the national recruiting experts said can come in and play right away uh, because of his size and his physical maturity. And the fact, guys, that, that, that Hugh Freeze plucked him from modern day, a high school in California, which is a traditional power, it's very rare that you can go out to California and get a kid like that. He's a plug and play guy. I think he's a kid that could probably step into the offensive line next year and play significant snaps. His rating might even grow this year as far as his overall uh percent, you know, his star ranking and then again, here here's a kid that, you know, you get from from California. So I think that it's a it's a really good get for Hugh Freeze and staff and it's a kid that should be counted on to play right away.
1: Daryl, your prediction, does Auburn ultimately come away with a W going all the way out to the West Coast and showing them how it's done SEC style, or do they just go ahead and kind of give you what the Florida Gators gave, Gators gave us, which is a disappointing national television appearance?
8: Well, if Auburn was playing Utah, I would have a different. I mean, because I mean, Cal and Utah, and I don't mean, but they're just not. And yeah. so I think Auburn. I think this game is tight in the fourth quarter. I really do. I think it's a one-score game, and I think at the end of the day, Auburn probably covers barely. I see a forty-one thirty-one type score, where Auburn uh, is able to pull away with either a late touchdown or a late field goal or something to get that to double digits. But again, I think Auburn's versatility. I think Peyton Thorn. If if Auburn's running game is not clicking on all cylinders, and I can't see how it's not because Cal run defense is not very good. I think you have the X factor now and a guy like Peyton Thorne who can throw the ball downfield if they load up the box, challenge you to throw. Auburn can score that way, too. I think they're a little more balanced than Cal. I think that's why they come out on top. 41-31 is my prediction.
1: Love the prediction, Darrell, and we'll see if there's another truth meeting needed by Hugh Freeze with his coaching staff on that long flight back to the plains of Auburn. Daryl, how can everyone follow your tremendous coverage of being locked on Auburn?
8: I'm on Fridays, every Friday morning with Zach Blackerby on Locked in Auburn and we also do things during the season where we um, when the game's over, the, the football game is over, we do a little reaction show about a half hour. And we post that Sunday morning. So, you know, how people used to grab that Sunday newspaper first thing Sunday morning after football games, you can now download the Locked on Auburn wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, we have a reaction show first thing Sunday morning.
1: Thank you so much, Darrell. We'll look forward to talking to you here as the season unfolds and see how your prediction holds up this weekend. Be safe and enjoy calling that Montgomery Biscuits game.
8: All right, brother. You guys have a great football weekend. Nice talking to you.
1: Always a pleasure. Daryl Dapperich, joining us, contributor for Locked On Auburn, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And we'll be back to wrap up our number one of the final drive. Of course, at 4 o'clock, George Teague, the legendary George Teague, former national champion at the University of Alabama, joins us for his weekly takes teague's takes here on the final drive we'll be right back
6: hey this is aj mccarron and you're listening to wnsp
1: the final drive on wnsp 105.5 core Bounty, along with nick wiggins joining you on this hump day and As far as Bryce Young is concerned, we talked a little bit about him being the number one overall pick and him trying to stay upright because Caleb Williams probably does not want to go to the worst franchise in the NFL next season. Bryce Young finally speaking on Jalen Milroe's performance this weekend, saying, that's my guy, that's my brother. I'm so super excited for him. It's really great to see the success he had. He's a great player, a great person, a great dude, and he loves the progress that he's been able to make, and it's not surprising what he did. Bryce Young showing a lot of love for his former backup and, again, the history that was made By Milrow throwing for three, rushing for two for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And there's also history in the NFL made today, Nick. You know what kind of history that was?
2: Well, it's the history that comes out every time a big player signs a contract because they're always one-upping each other. Yes, Nick Bosa, now
1: the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. The 49ers took them on my special team's defense side of the fantasy yeah. draft. Why? Because I knew Nick Bosa was going to return 5 is, years is 170 mil is what he's going to get. 122 and a half of that guaranteed money for Nick Bosa. Is it Nick Bosa or is it Joey Bosa? Well, it's going to be Bosa. <laughs> Nick <laughs> Bosa. Okay. Nick Bosa. You know, when you Nick's got to stay together, man, you know, I, I, I will say that Nick Bosa has a brother named Joey Bosa. But Nick Bosa agrees to that five year, one hundred and seventy million dollar extension to be the highest paid NFL defensive player in the league. Quentin Williams just a month ago signed that big bag that his agent was able to help him achieve. Pretty interesting stuff when you start looking at every single month that you're seeing someone throughout the entire NFL, whether
2: it be offensively right. or defensively, rewrite the record books for the amount of money made. So here's the largest total value in defensive contracts in NFL history as of now. Nick Bosa, number one, $170 million. Number two, Khalil Mack, when he signed that big deal for $141 million. Aaron Donald and his brother Joey Bosa tied there at third for 135 mil, and then after that is Miles Garrett when he got his extension at 125, and Vaughn Miller when he got his big extension at 120, so, largest total guarantee for a defensive player in NFL history, number one, Nick Bosa at 122, number two, Joey Bosa at 102, so. That family, that Bosa family, oh, Thanksgiving it, it, hey, listen, man. Who's paying? Who's paying for Thanksgiving dinner? Who's getting the biggest Christmas gift? I would, I would hope they're splitting the check, man. Splitting the check. Split the I, I check. don't think that that that's an issue it, for that you're, family. If you're a server and you're and you're seating the Bosa family, you're ha- you're happy get about that. are ready for a big tip. That's right. At least you would hope. Because if not, man, that would you, be messed you, up. You're
1: definitely happy about that, without question. You also look at Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, we're gonna tease that a little bit. He may not be making Nick Bosa money,
2: nah. but he's making boss moves around his I, neck. I get. I bet that he's got more expensive uh, accessories than either the Bosa brothers combined, even though he didn't have a contract anywhere close. I'll go ahead and let the cat out the bag.
1: Two hundred and sixty k
2: for one chain around
1: Ezekiel That's Elliott's a house, neck. That's man emeralds and diamonds 260k
2: it's a house man i could live inside of that thing a flip pin it, to where it
1: shows his new cowboys or patriots number as well as his cowboys number paying that
0: big grip you can cowboys time for teague's take love it the sound of mobile presents for the win the final drive no they didn't oh my gracious Yeah. how about with Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. I'm a classic man. You can be me when you look this clean. I'm a classic man.
1: Welcome to hour number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins. Make sure you download that free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device you have. And you'll be able to correspond with us in the app and hear George Teague's take each and every Wednesday whether you agree whether you disagree we'll let Mr. Teague know all about it and that classic man music means that George Teague Alabama national champion former NFL corner for the Dallas Cowboys along with other teams that he traveled along that NFL road with joins us here this afternoon how's it going George? Man, it's a great day.
5: I, I I love the way you say that. You got me hyped sitting over here in this chair, man. Just talking. <laughs> yeah, hey. You need, we, you we, need we to give a pregame speech, brother.
1: Hey, hey look, good. Bro, hey, play I, I, my I'm, theme music. Hey, hey, I'm not on the level <laughs> of the theme music of prime time, but we're, we're working to get there, man. It's not a one week miracle here for sure, and, and we're gonna definitely surpass any win total that has been attached to here to us here on the final drive. The Alabama have been attached to trying to win a national championship and they took that first step and they have a big time opponent coming to T-Town, but Jalen Milrow, QB1 handled his business against Middle Tennessee doing something you don't see often, making history as an Alabama Crimson Tide quarterback, throwing for 194 and three touchdowns and rushing for 48.
5: I think, uh, He should be very proud, as we are, as fans, uh, to see him come out. There's so many question marks about him. What could he do? Could he throw? You know, we knew he could run. And I I think to come out and have that type of performance was excellent. I I know I didn't hit my mark totally on uh, the amount of yards that he would have, but I think uh, I was on the right mark with the impact he was going to have, both running and passing. I thought it was tremendous.
2: Yeah, man, you're you're pretty close. I, I I was watching the game. I'm like, there ain't no way this man really. There must be some insider information going on.
1: <laughs> hey, that was a tea yeah, hot take. No,
5: no uh, I think um, you know what they did with him with um, the twelve personnel package it causes a lot of problems. It's going to cause a lot of problems for opposing defenses all the way through because of the type of quarterback that he is. And it even worked with the other guys when they put him in. So I am going to give a full breakdown on that a little later on tonight on Teague's Take. We're going to watch some film and do some things of that nature. But I think the way they built that program, it was really, really good for Jalen Melrose.
1: You need a lot of confidence going into a team – that's as stingy as this Texas Longhorn defense is. And it's one game at a time. Texas really struggled against Rice and, People are attributing to that as Coach Sarkeesian keeping it close to the vest, not wanting to show a lot. I just think the biggest improvement, you can speak on this as a former player and also as a former coach, the greatest improvement is from week one to week two. I don't think Texas held back anything against Rice. I just think that they're going to get that much better and are going to rise up to the level of competition that the Crimson Tide is going to present. Oh,
5: absolutely. They've been just like we have. They've been preparing for us all year long, all offseason. Texas is a little defeated because they thought they should have won last year, so they're looking at it as a little revenge game. But I think we have the same motivation because we didn't play as well as we needed to last year in their place shoot. They said our band or didn't even sit our band. <laughs> they forced us to not even bring our band to the game last year. Just a lot of disrespect. And I don't know they wanted to poke the bear like that. So I'm, I'm going to be in the house. I'm going to be interested and in see how we play. I think we will match up well. I uh, only have one concern. You guys didn't ask me. Um, but I think it's, you know, the injuries in our secondary now. I think that could bold to cause us some problems um, maybe at some point in time during the game.
1: And I agree with you as far as not bringing up the injury standpoint. I've I never played defensive back, so I, I let the pros like yourself speak on that. And it, it's a tremendous injury because Key has that one interception for the Crimson Tide. And Malachi Moore, we know how long he's been around and him being vocal and being so versatile in the secondary. It's Xavier Worthy is a problem, George. He gave Alabama fits one year ago. He's that versatile little shifty wide receiver. He's has blazing speed. And I just think that when you're talking about the communication that has to happen in the secondary, there can't be the type of blown coverages that we saw one year ago against Texas and expect positive things to happen.
5: Yeah, you're, you're right. And, you know, I know we kind of talked about this offline a little bit about how well we tackle this first game here our guys are flying around on defense swarming you know getting a lot of hats to the football um and that's going to be really important um in this game overall but mr worthy we got to have somebody to cover him (laughs) and he can't let us get we can't let him get behind us so um i am very interested to see if we're going to try to play as much man to man and switch coverage um with this guy because I, i think that could be A little bit of a problem. Um, You know, uh, no, we were getting some pressure this past game. I I like to see the way that we were using our guys up front. I did, I took a pretty good deep dive into it, a lot of statistical stuff. Um, It's just, it's it's one on one matchups, man. Uh, One on one matchups. And when you lose someone like uh, Jalen Key, who was playing very well. Uh, didn't give up a reception, you know, had, to inter, uh, had the interception. Um, then Malachi Moore going down, who's, uh, you know, good in the slot, could play the run, could blitz and do all those things. Man, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big hit for us.
2: Talking with George Teague of Teague's Take. And, look, if you guys want a real in-depth breakdown, like he said, he's going to be running through the film. That's going to be tonight. But, George, I got to ask you, former teammate of yours, getting a lot of buzz here around the media based off his performance Saturday so George I got to ask you do you believe
5: <laughs> I believe man uh I believe because if you could take a team like that uh Colorado Buffaloes and you know win one game and you go up against a team that was a national nice championship last year and beat them that that is a a huge turn. Now, if you ask me if I believe they're going to win this championship or something, no, I don't do that. But I think that they are um, a pretty good football team. Um, They were physical. They they were just whooping TCU's tail in a lot of different areas. They're fast. They're getting around. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they play against Nebraska because if they go ahead and win this one, you know uh, we're going to start making a primetime coach of the year kind of early. Uh, if he pulls off two big upsets like this in a row.
2: George, I, I had a hot take that I've been saying, that, you know, this whole week. I've been getting a lot of flack for it. I want to hear what you think, and if you think I'm just, you know, high like the altitude in Denver. I said that Dion Sanders already deserves to be the highest paid coach in college football because of how quick he's transformed Colorado from worst to now they're already in the top twenty-five, defeating TCU, who was in the national championship last year. Am I crazy? <laughs> I
5: was about to say I don't know what's higher than the highest mountain in Denver, but you need to be on wherever that is because <laughs> <a> real high. What's <laughs> going George. on, man? Uh, you know
4: who there, else
2: could do that though? Who else could do what Dion's done?
5: Well. And I don't want to say this to be trying to take away from it. It's really just to uh, be on the opposite opposite side of you for this. You know, if you derail your whole team, however, whichever way you want to do it, and you bring in, you know, 80 new guys, you better be damn good, um, (laughs) in my opinion, in my mind. So I took over my high school football team here um, at JP2, where I work at during the day. Our football team was 0-38. The average loss was by 58 points. Jeez. Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to compare myself to this, but it took a whole lot of convincing and new people and new faces and new weight room and anything to be able to get us into the state championship three years later. We were able to do that we were able to win a couple games the first year. The first year, a couple games. So I'm saying that, that hey, he had a big win there, but now film is out. People know what he's going to do, how they play, you know, how they coach. So it's going to get a little bit more difficult each and every day, and people can't look overlook them. I think TCU probably said, ah, you know, whatever, all the hype. He's on Instagram doing all this stuff. And they still got to play, blah, blah, blah. But now – people are like okay <laughs> we better we better buckle down and get serious um because these guys are they're coming you know they're coming so um i'm not totally sold all the way on that i still i predicted early in the year six wins for him um i think I'm not sure we might have said 5 I told you last time. I'm still about the same. I think he wins five or six
1: games. George, I'm with you in regards to Nick falling off of that mountain down in Boulder, Colorado, (laughs) because when when he made that hot take on Monday, I could not believe the words that were coming out of his mouth. But you know, that's that's my buddy Nick Wiggins for you. And I do know this, George, that penalties for Alabama were only two. And that is a huge difference because one year ago, as the Alabama Crimson Tide take on Texas, you look at that box score and you're seeing the Crimson Tide penalized 15 times for 100 yards. And that's something I want to take a look at. I thought Alabama did a good job keeping it to two and also no turnovers against Middle Tennessee, nor did they have any turnovers a year ago against this stingy Texas defensive squad.
5: Yeah, uh, and you bring up a good point because I, I think you, uh, obviously you got to give the guys a lot of credit uh, for being disciplined and, and that nature, but I think that also has to do with a lot with coaching. You, know, you got a couple new coordinators that maybe be a stealing um, different work ethic in practice. You know what is holding really look like? You know the after penalty, after play penalties, unsportsmanlike conducts, and those kind of things that we were getting before that we didn't get. So I think. Um, you know, you get the coordinators aligned with Coach Saban um, that the discipline just becomes so much better because, they, you know, those put you in bad situations. And you don't want to be in a, you know, tough games where you're giving up an extra 100, 110 yards <laughs> in penalty. So um, I think that is um, very good to note um, because, you know, it just keeps your averages up. Field position was incredible. Time of possession was incredible. Uh, 29 minutes, I think we had the ball almost after game. <laughs> you know, uh, we got the ball 5.8 yards um, carrying the ball. Uh, I mean, it just there was so much that was different um, than the years past that it really bodes me well to think that hey, we're, we should have a pretty successful season.
1: No Bijan Robinson for Texas, no Jameer Gibbs yeah. for Alabama, two elite first round type NFL backs, I think Jace McClellan had a tremendous run to where he showed his elite blazing speed to a school that he's very familiar with, Texas. If Alabama's able to open up those holes at all and get a tremendous running game going, not necessarily by Milrow, because I say if Alabama is being led by Milrow in rushing, that is good and bad. I would rather Jace or Roydell. Lead Alabama in rushing instead of Jalen, but the poise and progression of Milroe is going to be critical. But being able to run the football and establish, like you mentioned, that time of possession against Texas, that's going to be critical also.
5: Let me give you um, something to think about when you say that. Why you think maybe that it would not be too good if Jalen Milrow ran the ball more? And I'm going to say I disagree. Okay, um, because watching this. In the first half, I just broke down the first half, 12 personnel, we almost use like almost 40% of the plays were 12 personnel. What 12 personnel does is it creates extra running gaps. That is hard on defenses. You know, offenses like to be flashy, 4 wide, 5 wide, you know, maybe one tight end, three wide outs. But when you put in two tight ends, especially when you have a tight end like a nine black, knee-black, um, who can catch the ball, it creates problems, particularly when you may have a one-back set, but your quarterback is just as much of a running threat as your tailback. That's why it's going to be successful um, for him, because our running game, you got to cover both sides of the offensive line (laughs) very well, and they showed that um, in this game. So, I want to spend a lot of time breaking that down, as I said, and why I think this is going to be good um, for Jalen because it then opens up the passing game tremendously because you got to have someone spy Jalen because he could take off at any moment.
2: Talking with George Teague, legendary Hall of Fame Alabama defensive back. Now, Hugh Freeze said about the Auburn game that they didn't reveal everything. They still have got a lot more tricks up their sleeve. Do you think what we saw – in the Alabama game is, for the most part, what this Alabama offense is going to look like, or do you think that there's still a lot to be revealed?
5: There's a lot to be revealed. You can see the concept. I, what I saw was the concepts that were kind of being put in and where they were trying to attack Middle um, Tennessee um, over routes. You know, how many times did we see the the post? You know, going from our right to our left, um, whether it came from a tight end, uh, Isaiah Bond, or something—you could see that they were very deliberate with what they were trying to hit against Middle Tennessee, and it worked the way that they were playing. So, I don't think we touched the surface on how that's going to look, um, what kind of motion and movements um, are going to happen, because we did have a lot of different formations, guys. I, I spent a lot of time trying to chart this stuff down, <laughs> what the what the formation is. Trips right, trips left, doubles, you got a motion to something, you know. A lot of us the same play, Um, just give you some smoke and mirrors, Um, but it's it's game plan. So next week, uh, Texas is going to see something different. They're going to see some of the same stuff, but I promise you they've watched enough film to know that we got to expand the playbook a little bit at a time so that we peak at the right moment a little bit later down the road.
1: Your hot take a week ago was Jalen Miro's throwing over 200 yards, rushing for over 150. Special teams were not a factor in the Middle Tennessee game, but I think they ultimately will be a huge factor in this game. George, give us another hot teagues take for the Alabama-Texas outcome for the Crimson Tide.
5: All right. I told you I ain't scared. Here's my... Thing that's going to happen, Kool Aid McKinstry is going to take a punt return back for a touchdown, and I ain't done, and he's going to have an interception um, this game. So I expect him to be uh, a defensive player of the week uh, because he's going to be called to cover. Uh, some guys out there that he's going to need to run down, and he's going to make some tremendous plays on special teams because is just one little bit away from taking one to the house on one of those punt returns.
2: That'd be an all-time game right there. You know, with this level mm-hmm. of matchup, that's all-time. That's George T. Mm-hmm. level. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Well,
5: they were talking about that other guy over at Colorado, you know, him going oh, both ways man. and doing all this kind of stuff. That's- well, we got a guy like that, too. He might not play offense, um, but Special teams is offense when you're running the ball back like that. If he can score that way, and don't let him pick one and take it back to the house too, because then I'll be blowing y'all cell phones up for sure.
2: Uh, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> in here's, a, uh, here's a here's one of my other hot takes. Maybe you can maybe we'll find a little more common ground on this one. I said that if Colorado wins eight games, finishes in the top 25, Travis Hunter should be the Heisman if he's playing that many snaps on both sides of the ball and has that high level of production on both sides. Can can you get with me on that one, George?
5: I can get with you on that. If they do that, but here's the – so I 100% agree. You know, even what he did this past game is ridiculous. Ridiculous Playing 100-something and something snaps, uh, I mean, off in the defense and major college football is just – that's unheard of, man. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that in the back of my mind, as a player, too, I go, man, we got to keep him healthy. How does he recover? This is every week now. <laughs> you know, he's got to go this. Can he do this again? Can he really recover where he does start to break down his body too early? Um, so that's the only thing that concerns me about it. But if you if can go eight and you're playing both sides of the ball, intercepting things, scoring touchdowns, 100-something yards, receiving a game. Bro, I mean, you might as well go ahead and put them in Canton right away because that would be uh, unbelievable.
1: Well, i tell you what's unbelievable is when you come on our show, we have people in our app saying, hey, George Teague, if you had a bowl of sugar, I bet you could eat it all right now. Chris Drain Drano, says he loves you, bruh. Roll Tide. So you definitely have chimed in to to people who are very familiar with not only your success, but will continue to listen to Teague's takes tonight. I know that you'll be talking more in depth about the 12 personnel, LSU shocking non-show up in the second half, South Carolina and (laughs) Both Florida letting the SEC down, and you'll be previewing a lot more of college football this weekend as well. Teague's takes tonight, George. Let everybody know how they can get even more in-depth coverage of everything that you have. All Alabama, all SEC, all Dallas Cowboys, all the time, hot takes coming from George Teague. I
5: appreciate it, man. You know, we try to keep it lit and fire on Teague's Take on YouTube. Come check us out. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and like so you know we're going to be on. Me and JT, my son, that makes it even better, right? We're going to be talking. And what we're going to do different is we're actually going to give you some talk talk. Being on the board, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You can find me personally at Teague Football. Might as well come on in and like me there. I do have a website, georgeteague.com. Come on in if you're trying to find me, need me to come to a speaking engagement or something, find me there. You can contact me there. and We just like to have a good time, fellas. That's why I like being on with you. You know, Nick and Corey, I love being on with you guys, talking really good football and giving you guys the facts and the stats about what's happening.
1: George T. can't thank you enough. He's an Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, and in my eyeballs is definitely that next level in the NFL as well, and You know, you got to protect the star, protect the house, whatever house that was being built around George. If you were in his uniform, you knew he had your back, and that's what it takes to be part of George Teague's team. And we're so thankful that he's a part of the final drive each and every Wednesday at 4 o'clock here on WNSP 105.5. George, we'll definitely be staying in touch with you throughout the Texas game this weekend. God bless you and look forward to talking to you soon. Appreciate you guys, man. Talk to you soon. George Teague joining us this afternoon, Nick, on the final drive. That other hot take, Kool-Aid McKinstry.
2: Yeah. We'll see if that Kool-Aid see, is I, sweet like ice in a glass. <laughs> I like a real hot take like that. Detroit winning by two, like our caller said was a hot take earlier. Nah, man, that's mild. That's mild salsa. George Teague right there, if that happens, that's one of the best performances buy a defensive back in college football history, right? If that's a game you have, a pick and a punt return touchdown in that level of game and with a lot of your guys being out, gotta love the Teague's takes, man. Gotta love them.
1: Absolutely. Coming up next, we'll be looking at talking to Kane Womack from South Alabama. He's the head coach of the Jaguars as they're opening at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Don't want to miss Kane Womack next here on The Final Drive.
6: Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. And guys, you are not going to want to miss the Texas Alabama watch party that's going down at the Outsider in downtown Mobile. You can come in and get a free t-shirt. You can enter to win an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault. There's also going to be a chance for you to enter to win an Iron Iron Bowl tickets and the Iron Bowl ticket giveaway that the Outsider's doing. They're going to have a bunch of drink specials. You've got the Insider right next door, the food court. You can eat anything you want if you're feeling hamburgers, chicken, tacos. They got it all. All the TVs you can think of to watch the Alabama-Texas game, and every other game that's going to be going on at that time. It's going to be fun, and you are not going to want to miss that. Another thing that you're not going to want to miss is this next interview we're about to do with the head coach of the South Alabama Jaguars, Kane Womack. Tough, tough loss in New Orleans last Saturday against Tulane. But they're looking to bounce back this week with their home opener. We're going to talk to him, see what changes have been made and how hopefully the rest of the season is going to be looking a little more positive than it did over there in New Orleans. So stay tuned. It's the final drive with Corey Bounty and myself, Nick Wiggins. We're about to talk with South Alabama Jaguars head coach, Kane
0: Womack.
7: Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this Hump Day Wednesday edition of The Final Drive. want to thank everyone for having us tuned in. And, of course, now, Kane Womack, the head football coach of the South Alabama Jaguars, joins us this afternoon. Coach, how's everything going this week in preparation for Southeastern Louisiana and the Hancock-Whitney Stadium opener?
3: Yeah. Good to be on with you, Corey. Um, we, uh, you know, obviously, uh, have, have a, a bad taste, uh, left in our mouth from, from I thought a a poor performance, uh, in Tulane, you know, certainly I don't want to take any credit away from, from what Tulane did. I thought they had a good plan and they, and they're a very good football team. However, you know, when you look at some of the things in the game, I did, I thought that there were just simple, uh, execution errors on both offense and defense, um, that, that, you know, we need to get corrected immediately. Um, You know, you you look at it, we've got an experienced football team, we've got a group of guys that know what to do, have been in moments um, and I thought probably pressed a little bit in the first game of the season uh, to to do some things outside of their responsibility and so really looking forward to getting back out on the field, looking forward to uh, you know, I think these players are looking forward to getting some of these things corrected very quickly Um, and, and certainly uh, to have a home game inside hancock Whitney Stadium. We are we are all really, really excited to, to get out in front of our home crowd.
1: Coach, when you go back and look at the film, there's always the negative things that you can point out, what we didn't do right. And I know it's coaches talk, but I, I, you being a son of a coach, the biggest improvement has been said by many coaches that I know is from week one to week two, and I know you expect to see that out of your South Alabama program.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, uh, and and that really is, um, I, you know, sometimes there, we 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 give all these little isms, right? You know, uh, about football and and this and that, but that one tends to hold true. The, Im- the improvement in a in a team from week one to week two can often be tremendous. If I'm being honest and candid. Um, You know, I expected some of those mistakes that we made on Saturday um, to to not be made by some of those players. I mean, we're talking about some of our more experienced players on the team, and I thought that they probably pressed too hard to try to make plays outside of their responsibility. And so um, we need to make sure that that those things get fixed immediately. Um, But I do think that it was, uh, you know, it's always an eye-opener. You always learn. Uh, things about yourself, even as an an older guy, um, uh, out there about what you need to do moving forward. And so I thought some of the things objectively when you go look at the film, um, there was actually probably more good uh, than there was negative. Uh, There was a lot of winning football out there, and so I think we get a couple of these things that should be easily cleaned up and and, uh, looking forward to seeing a very uh, clean performance uh, from our team on Saturday.
2: You talk about, you know, the focus this week in practice being execution, discipline. You you mentioned some of the positives from that two-lane game. Can you maybe go more in depth and highlight what the (coughs) positives really were in that game?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you had from a defensive perspective. I mean, you had six plays, five plays that were explosive plays given up, and really nothing um, schematically that we felt like we were challenged by. There was one play, they got into a wildcat situation where they have a, a running back at the quarterback position, and they ran a double reverse pass, and they kind of got us on that one. We were we were in a uh, a bad check there, uh, and so they, you know, you can say okay, schematically they kind of got us on that, but that's one. Of those six plays, and those six plays was pretty much the the vast majority of their offensive production. Outside of that, I mean, you know, they had 35 yards rushing in the first half against us, uh, played really well in a number of areas. And so uh, pleased with some of those things. From an offensive standpoint, uh, really, when you look at our drives, we were effective with the football until we had operational penalties or we turned the ball over. Um, we've been one of the better teams in the country, uh, you know, coming off of this past year in terms of taking care of the football, and we did not do that in the first game. Same deal, you know, with, with some of these operational penalties. That was, you know, we've had some issues in in the past on some of those things. Um, we were going tempo, which is something we really hadn't done in the past going a little bit faster. And there were some things that, uh, that we, you know, got to get cleaned up and they really hindered drives. But outside of that, I thought there was a lot of winning football on
1: the field absolutely we're speaking to Kane Womack head football coach of the South Alabama Jaguars third down efficiency the Jaguars eight out of 13 so not a problem moving the sticks there on third down and and you're getting what you want out of the consistency there also but the juice that you guys are going to play with come this Saturday four o'clock again Hancock Whitney Stadium opening up against southeastern Louisiana what does South Alabama What kind of problems does southeastern Louisiana present that you guys know that you're scheming for this week?
3: Yeah, you know, I think this is a very talented football team. Um, You know, sometimes there's a stigma that you may put on saying an FCS program coming in. There are a lot of good FCS talent, as we well know. You know, in the South, we have a lot of talented football players, and some of those players are not going to go to Power 5 programs or FBS programs, and they're going to go to an FCS program, and they're going to develop over the years, and they're going to grow, and they're going to do all those things. I think when you point to Southeast Louisiana, they have a lot of players that are of the caliber of an FBS football player. And so uh, particularly at their skill positions on offense and defense, I think they're a very talented bunch. They're very fast. Um, I I think defensively they're in the right place. Um, they, you know, what we call populate hats to the ball, meaning they get bodies to the run, um, and uh, very quickly and they stay on top of of deep deep shots so they try not to give up you know deep throws for for touchdowns and they stay on top of routes offensively very multiple um their their head coach frank selfo an offensive background was a was a quarterback's coach in the nfl for a number of years their offensive coordinator is a guy named greg stevens who i he was actually um when i was the defensive coordinator at eastern illinois Uh, He was the uh, offensive coordinator at Eastern Illinois, my first-ever D coordinator job, and so look forward to seeing him. But very multiple in some of the things that they do, uh, and so we've got to make sure our eyes are in the right place.
1: That eyeball discipline, I know, is going to be key. And getting home to the quarterback, one sack that you guys were able to produce. Jamie Sheriff will be joining us tomorrow here on the final drive. He led the Jaguars in tackling. I know you had to be happy with his defensive line production.
4: Yeah, very
3: pleased with Jamie Sheriff and some of the things. I thought our D line, linebacking core, did a really tremendous job all night. And, and you know, as I talked to pointing to winning football, that certainly continue to show up. Um, we've got a, a very experienced group that, that plays really, really hard. And Jamie had a, a really a heck of a game. I mean, played very physical um did i thought he's taken a huge step forward in terms of his pass rush and um and and, you know he he led the team in sacks a year ago so uh very excited about what that unit is doing and i think that we have a number of guys that can that can create and put pressure on the quarterback and that's certainly going to be a big piece of of our effectiveness as a defense uh moving through the season
2: Coach, you talk about how Tulane didn't really have your number from a schematic standpoint. I'm curious in the locker room and with the players, what's the mindset after that game? Is it more frustration? Like, ah, we really could have had them there. And how does that turn into potentially excitement and anticipation for your home opener to really prove everyone that you guys are ready to play?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he hit the nail on the head that, you know, here's the deal, I mean, fo- football is hard, man, you know, and, and one little mistake, you know, we we act like these things are some massive mistake that a guy made. All it takes is a split second of putting your eyes in the wrong place or not doing your job or maybe trying to help somewhere else or make a play where you don't need to be making a play. And an explosive play is given up, right? It's 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 that fine of a line that we work with um, in, in college football. And so uh when these guys don't do the routine things over and over again in terms of their eyes being in the right place, their body being in the right place, their communication being on the same page with the guys next to them, you know, for some of those experienced players, right? That's frustrating, that's an that's embarrassing, right? If if we're being honest. Um but it also uh gives you a little bit of of understanding that when you look at it objectively, these things can be fixed very quickly. Um, and they also you have an opportunity to go out and play the next week and get it corrected. And so I think that's probably the main focus of of our players and our team right now is we're we're excited to get out on the field again. And, and quite frankly, let's get this, uh, you know, frustrating taste out of our mouths.
1: Absolutely coach no quit in the Jaguars cutting it 17 to 24 at one point in time and I know you had to say look this is what happens when we do things when we have our fits correctly when our candy is not focused in the backfield and we're just doing the little small things that doing your own job to help your teammates win and become successful i know that that will be an equation that's going to equal a jaguar win this saturday in front of a raucous crowd as this 2023 jaguar program opens up against southeastern louisiana at four o'clock p.m at hancock whitney stadium Coach Womack, I can't thank you enough for your time taking with us here on the final drive. Definitely look forward to seeing you and all the excitement and the juice that you're going to bring this Saturday on the sidelines to the fans and to your players as well.
3: Well, I, I really appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, to seeing everybody out there on Saturday. It's going to be a It looks like the weather's turning out really great, and I think uh, everybody's going to have a great time. So look forward to seeing everybody inside Hancock-Whitney Stadium in a couple days.
1: Kane Womack, head football coach at the University of South Alabama, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Want to thank him. And if you have a chance to go out and support South Alabama in their home opener, Again, this is that Jaguar brand. I know I will be at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Wanted to be a part of seeing South Alabama get things started off to the right foot at home here in Mobile, Alabama. And Coach Womack, he's going to get things turned around very quickly. And like he said, get that sour taste out of the Jaguars' mouth and take it out on southeastern Louisiana this Saturday starting at 4 o'clock p.m. as we put total leather Nick at Hancock right. Whitney we Stadium. We shoes on. <laughs> we ain't just putting shoes on. We're <laughs> kicking it off. Kicking it <laughs> off. Hancock Whitney Stadium, South Alabama versus Southeastern Louisiana at 4 o'clock p.m. The Final Drive. We'll be right back.
6: Hey, this is Stuart Sink from the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNFB
0: Sports Radio and Mobile.
1: the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with Nick Wiggins joining everyone on this hump day Wednesday edition. And Nick, I know we have someone who has called in to the station this afternoon. What's up, caller? Hey, so I, I know we've probably
4: beat this uh, horse to death, but I'm still not understanding the take on the Dion Sanders. Just follow me here, okay? <laughs> now, you basically gave a coach with no salary cap, and the only person in a draft as many people as he convinced to come play with him and basically showed 55 kids the door, who knows if they got a scholarship or not, and we're sitting here talking about one win over a team that's not even half what they were last year that really wasn't, turns out, they weren't as great as I thought last year. So my my question is, what's the accomplishment? Because let's look at this. Let's say we give Tom Brady a coaching job today, okay? No salary cap. Players can transfer, even if they're under contract. Technically, they're in a contract by scholarship, right? Do you not think he could do the same thing? No. But does that make him the greatest coach ever? No. Aaron Rodgers, same, same thing. You can take any no. big name and give them an unlimited budget salary cap, but the NFL has a salary cap. That's what makes it unique. And they can do the exact same thing. I mean, I'm not understanding the, the, the wow of the accomplishment. I mean, great job. If you won a game, but I'm understanding the whole wow of it.
2: Listen, man. If I'm in a kitchen and I'm sitting across from Gordon Ramsay and we both got the same ingredients just because we got the same ingredients and the same cookware, we ain't about to make the same dish, man. His is going to taste better than mine. Dion
4: right. Is out. Gordon celebrity is a real cook, and you're not. Gordon celebrity is a celebrity. You're not. Tom Deion Brady Sanders ain't no coach. Is a celebrity. Tom Brady so ain't no Brady.
2: coach. They both play football. Let's put common to common. Aaron Rodgers ain't no coach. He's he, smoking ayahuasca in a cave, He's man. a celebrity. He is a, he is a former football player just like Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders ain't no coach. He's coaching now. Deion he's Santa, a,
4: a, he is, see, his name recognition that, comes from playing NFL football no, and baseball, period. He is right. able to recruit these kids from the sheer name of Deion Sanders.
2: Listen, man. Deion Sanders okay, let, let,
4: is take, a let's coach. These coaches Let's take Bush Dayers and send him to Colorado. Him to Colorado. Can, did he do the same thing? No, because De, Deion Sanders, he don't have the name recognition. The, rate, the name Nick,
2: recognition you is the a kitchen, bonus? If you're in the kitchen cooking, bro, we got problems anyway. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good cook, man.
1: <laughs> I haven't tasted cook. Nick's cooking, but I will say <laughs> this. I agree with you that it's just one win. I'm not ready to ordain Deion Sanders as anything. But I can say he is – a good coach because he is a good coach he's not he's not just a celebrity he is also an x's and o's guy who is going to put most bosses and most successful people i know from a principal standpoint you want people who are sharper than you are in the drawer around you they say iron sharpens iron so dion is surrounding himself with people who know more x's and o's this guy was a dual-sport athlete, his, his cerebral thoughts on the baseball diamond as well as on the football field were matrix-like, what he was able to do. And it's kind of like a point guard. If he played basketball, too, he would be able to run everything. And he is the CEO. It starts at the top. And I, I will say one win. Congratulations, Dion! You're 1-0. and oh. Do I think that puts Colorado Colorado in the top 25? No, I personally do not. Congratulations on that one win. But Dion is an outstanding coach. I yes. can't take that away from him. He's also an outstanding salesman, an outstanding pitchman, an outstanding recruiter. And I give Colorado two years to where they are in the national football championship hunt. It's because of his name. Colorado last won a national championship in 1990. We have not been talking about Colorado Buffalo's football since 1990. That's right. They've been irrelevant. And Dion has brought that back. And at the end of the day, it says head coach next to Deion Sanders' name. It doesn't say salesman. It doesn't say pitchman. It says head coach. He's earned the right to have that respect that I'll put on his name as head coach. Do I agree with everything he's done as a head coach at Jackson State or in high school in Texas? No, I do not. But I do say this. Deion Sanders is the guy who is putting life and relevancy back into the Colorado program that was once a nationally prominent program.
2: That's right, man. Look, Deion, he's not just a name, man. He's got the juice to back it up, right? Deion... Just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean that you're putting in the work, right? We're, we're already talking about t- Tom Brady didn't even show up to practice when he was at Tampa Bay, right? Aaron Rodgers, he, he took the year off, basically, and just put the jersey on and cashed the check. You got to have the name, and then you got to be able to back it up, because now everyone's got high expectations. And Dion is a rare breed where he's able to talk the talk, and he talks a big talk. But he struts, and he walks a big, old, wide-stepped walk. To back it up, man. I'm but once you, you – the, the the way and the people you step
1: on on the way up, you got to meet those same people right. on the way down. So that's yeah. what Dion has to remember. Once you get humbled – and it can happen on any given Saturday. We've seen those type of upsets. Do I expect Colorado to give Nebraska all they can handle? Absolutely I do because, again, am I ready to ordain Dion? As Nick has as needing to be the highest-paid coach in college football? To. Absolutely he not. He needs
2: to. Look, Col- look at Colorado's Twitter followers. Look at the, the players' Twitter followers. Look at the brand he's building. It's bigger than what's on the field, man. But Dion backs it up there, too. He, he does it all. It's got to equate. They're going
1: to go to a bowl game. It's got to
2: equate in
1: more than five wins for Dion this year. I believe. I'm glad you do, Nick, because I sure don't. We believe we'll be back for hour number three of the final drive coming up.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! The final drive. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh
1: Welcome to hour number three of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day, Wednesday edition of the final drive if you have not downloaded the free sound of mobile app to any android or apple device that you may have make sure you do so because you don't want to miss the interesting conversations and the sidebar conversations the controversy the criticism their critiques the love
2: that goes on in the app nick wiggins yeah uh There's at least two of the things that you said in there. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt about it. Our
1: next guest on the final drive, Tommy Hicks. Of course, he is the sports editor at YAP, And, Tommy, we're already getting ready to enter week number three of high school football. Of course, you get through week zero. I still haven't figured out that mathematically yet. And week one, and now that we are in the third week of high school football, not really a lot of surprises coming out of the gate. Sarah Land holding tight. Representing on national television and ESPN, you look at Viger being able to get off to a strong start at 2-0. But the story is MGM, the Vikings, going on the road in week number one up to Charles Henderson and upsetting the number two ranked team in 5A and getting things done with the big time matchup against Foley this week
7: yeah zach uh, Golson and his staff have done a great job since they arrived last year and um Jared Hollins a quarterback is doing a great job for them they're just they're just playing really good football right now and it really sets up for Friday night at home against Foley with the big region matchup uh Foley's unbeaten they'll bring a couple of very dynamic offensive players in there with uh perry thompson and uh, perry thompson and and Keaton uh Keep nothing. I'm, I'm suddenly, I'm, I'm by Nero. Yep. He Nero, Nero, uh, the running back. Uh, so that's going to be a really great game. You know, Foley won the region last year. So it's going to be interesting to uh, see how that one turns out. There's going to be a lot of really good, really good players and some good teams in, involved in that game right there.
1: 7A Region 1. We haven't seen heavyweight fighting out of our local teams here for a while. We just mentioned that MGM... Foley matchup you also have Davidson taking on Baker Davidson breaking in their stadium with 59 points behind the running of who I say is the most underrated running back in the state of Alabama and Derek Butler being at Baker where you have SEC talent quarterback and wide receiver Josh Flowers and Bryce Kane I love that that 7 A matchup early is going to mean something also
7: Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's interesting to see that. Now, the hard thing for this for each 7A region is that it bumps up against the Auburn, Central Phoenix City region there in the playoffs, usually in the first round. You know, all four, I believe all four of the teams from 7A were bumped last year in their first round game from here. So uh, that's where it kind of catches up with them pretty quickly there in the playoffs. But I think the, the improvement that's been shown out of the 7A teams here, Especially with MGM uh, and Foley of late, the last couple of seasons, that's kind of leading the way. and Davidson has gotten better, and and uh, Derek does a great job for them at running back. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that region of that classification kind of unfolds as we as we move along this season.
2: What do you think about what Coach Cottrell's got cooking down there at Mobile Christian after losing, you know, so many players to transferring and still? You know, coming out two and zero and shutting out their opponent last Friday.
7: Yeah, I mean, I'm never surprised. Ronnie does a great job over there, and there's always a lot of athletes. Some of them are pretty young, and but they're but they're proving that they can do what they need to do on the field. And and here they are, and they're headed to WC WS Neal this week. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, it's always hard to go over there and play Neal at home, but uh, but Ronnie and and his team are doing really well so far. And uh, I, I like what they're doing. Let's see how they go. They they certainly seem to when they when they lose a player or two, they always have somebody step in there to to take their place.
1: Tommy Hicks, sports editor for Lanyap, joining us here on the Final Drive. It's a pretty heavy-hitting week when you look at maybe five or six games that you have to choose whether you want to go to 2-0 and St. Paul's at 2-0 Sarah Land. Ham Barnett has gotten the Saints off to a great start, and you're looking at a lot of star power for Sarah Land on top of one of the nation's top and elite recruits in Tank Jones there at St. Paul's. But then you look at Gulf Shores and Faith Academy two heavyweights again in 5A region one who wants to stand the top of that log jam 5A region one it was a year ago this game to me is going to decide who's going to take the top title at the end of the season also
7: yeah we uh <clears throat> we picked that as our game of the week this week just because i mean faith is playing so well they played really great in their first two games and so has go shores you're right. There's a lot of talent over there with with Ronnie Royal and Brayden Jackson on one side, and then Faith Academy with Ty Goodwill over there, and and EJ King. I mean, you've you've got two really strong programs that, again, we said this earlier about some other teams, but last two or three seasons have really jumped forward and really played well. So it's going to be that's going to be a great game. I think that was, that might be the game that's more fun to watch than any of them this weekend.
1: I can't argue with you. Ronnie Royal, North Carolina State, verbal commit, so versatile for Coach Hudspeth and the Dolphins and what he's able to bring to the plate. You look a year ago, Gulf Shores defeating Faith Academy in the regular season and the ultimate payback for Faith Academy in the third round is eliminating Gulf Shores. So that's going to be fun to watch in regards to how these teams are going to bounce back, Jared Dartrey being the solid returning quarterback for the Rams. Tommy, that's going to be, again, another phenomenal heavy-hitting game that outside of Sarah Land and St. Paul's, you're still looking at tremendously matched-up teams in different classifications, whether we have great matchups in 7A, 6A, 5A, 4A, and 3A this week, games that people don't want to miss.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're lucky to be in this area, man, and covering the teams and the and the programs that we do. But there's so much talent down here individually and then collectively, and then you put really good coaching alongside that and that just really makes these programs stand out, I think.
1: Any shocks in regards to the Alabama Sports Writers Association top 10 poll that has come out this week? We mentioned staying on top Mobile Christian creeps up to number two in class 3A and in 4A, not really outside of T.R. Miller. They're definitely on the radar, but I, I think that Coach Rivers is trying to get things turned around at St. Michael. His his son, Gunnar Rivers, had a great performance for the Cardinals one week ago.
7: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, Bayside and, and Farrell played this week in four A, so that's going to be a great matchup right there, and a really good chance. Both of those teams received votes in the poll. I don't think they've either was ranked, but I think uh, I think they're both uh, received. I know they both received votes, so it's going to be interesting to see if the winner of that creeps up into the top ten next week.
1: Tommy, looking forward to seeing you on the sidelines covering the South Alabama Jaguars this Saturday. Not the taste. We had Coach Womack on just a few minutes ago, and he talked about getting that sour taste out of the Jaguars fans' mouth as New Orleans has not been a a kind place for South Alabama. But I think that they'll go ahead and remedy that, and there'll be a little sweetness added to a victory for the South Alabama Jaguars as they open up the 2023 season at Hancock-Whitney.
7: Yeah, you would think so. I mean, five turnovers and some costly, costly penalties there on a couple of drives. Just a little nagging things that can that can be cleaned up. Obviously, turning over five times it really doesn't matter who the opponent is. I can make things very difficult for you. Um, they've also, you know, gave up some big plays in the secondary. They've got to, they've got to get a handle on that. But you know, 20 starters returning from a team that won 10 games last year. Um, still, 11 games to go. I mean, I know it's it, a lot of people want to make a big deal out of the, and, and the two lane game was a great opportunity for that program to kind of make a statement. But, but that one's gone. You got to put that in the pass and concentrate on I mean, all of your, certainly all of your Sun Belt goals and and other goals are still available to you with 11 games left. So, uh, it, I'll be interested to see how they bounce back and how they respond this week at home.
1: Without question, Tommy Hicks, sports editor for Lanyap. I know you always have a lot of things cooking for the newest edition of the Lanyap that dropped everywhere today. And what what stories can we look forward to reading this week in the Lanyap magazine? And do you have any featured events that you're going to be covering here coming up?
7: We've got our lead story is on actually on the South Alabama volleyball team. They're off to a 6-0 start. Uh, they've got like three preseason all-conference players on their team, including the, the setter of the year is on their roster, uh, Kelly Keeble. And uh, they're doing a really great job. They're going to play in the FAMU tournament this weekend that's going to feature Georgia Tech, which is the number 11 team in the country. And then the following week, uh, next week after that, uh, they're going to have the Alabama Showdown at their place uh, that will involve uh, UAB and Sanford and South Alabama. And I don't have the paper in front of me, one other scoop from the state uh, that will kind of highlight. Oh, uh, Auburn. I'm sorry, Auburn is the other team. So the Auburn, which is ranked number 25, this week will be coming to Mobile next week on to play the Jags on Thursday night, so uh, this team has really shown a lot of progress and, and promise, and it's going to be interesting to to watch and see how they how they go along. Uh, we also had in this week's paper. The, I know people here are very interested in the Senior Bowl and what's going on. This is the 75th anniversary of the game this year, and they they put their uh, their rosters together for the uh, 70 all-time 75th team. Uh, the different candidates and finalists for uh, to make that team that will join the 50th anniversary team that's already been picked. So these will only be from since that 51st through 75th game of, of players uh, to join that group. It's going to be interesting. We got we've got that roster in the paper for people who might be interested in going online and voting for uh, for that team.
1: Tommy Hicks can't thank you enough. How can people follow you and? Catch all the great coverage that's available through the Lanyap.
7: Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, you can get me uh, all of our stuff on lanyapmobile.com. We hope people will sign up for the uh, the digital paper as well as the free paper that's available all around town. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now at Hicks. and uh, just catch us anywhere or we're going to be at some ballgames. So you can just stop and say hello.
1: Tommy, appreciate your taking time to join us here this evening on the Final Drive, and we'll see you soon.
7: Thanks a lot, Corey. I appreciate it, buddy. Take care of
1: yourself. Tommy Hicks, sports editor of the Land YAP Magazine. You can pick up one of those in any, as our buddy Clint says, across the way in those ugly purple or pink boxes you see across the city of Mobile and Baldwin counties And Tommy Hicks, award winning journalist, so make sure you check out his great coverage in the land Yap magazine Corey,
2: what is uh what would you say is the best single game you've seen at the high school level ever statistic wise ever
1: mm, I've seen maybe a seven touchdown performance at the high school level maybe uh close to four hundred yard rushing performance
2: but that's 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 it well, my guy Jordan in the app. Doing a little programming for us. This guy, Will Hammond, out of Huddo, Texas. He's a Texas Tech commit. Ten touchdowns. Ten touchdowns, 715 passing yards, <laughs> four passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns, 88 rushing yards, over 800 yards himself, ten touchdowns. This is in one game, Corey. Yeah. One game. I, I don't who, care who, who the competition
1: against? was. It doesn't matter who the competition was. It it doesn't matter if he was playing at a smaller school. Everything's bigger in Texas. So your smaller classification school, who's 1A here in the state of Alabama, you're looking at a 1A school having 700, 800 folks. So, that's the equivalent
2: of our 4A schools here that, in the state of like, Alabama. That's like when your little cousin comes over and y'all are playing Madden. That's cheating. And he didn't know, you know, what the controls are and you're up 80 to 0 or something. <laughs> that's cheating. It's backyard football. It's
1: backyard football when you look at it. But he put on a show. And that's real numbers. Looking
2: to Luke set. Jordan, you know, our our, cor- our new correspondent, he says that it was actually a close game. <laughs> (laughs) That makes it even scarier. Basketball on grass or turf?
1: It's got to be on turf in Texas because they don't do much grass out there in regards to how their playing surfaces are because they have enough money to go ahead and take care of it. But that is definitely wild. We'll wait for one of those performances here locally in Mobile or Baldwin County and Pigskin Pete will keep us up to date on that. That's The final drive will be right back here on WNSP (laughs) 105.5.
9: Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to
7: WNSP
1: 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day Wednesday. And, of course, we have Trent Massey one of the co-founders of Future Ones joining us, and it's that time of year to where you're starting to see a lot of middle schools and high schools sport all the Future Ones gear that is available, the brand that is Future Ones local to Mobile, Alabama. Trent Massey joins us. Trent, how are you doing?
6: Hey, Corey. Doing great, man. Just uh, rolling back into town from North Alabama, doing some sales this week. Just left Sylacauga High School, and huffman high school in birmingham and just uh selling selling some product
1: absolutely love the fact statewide and getting ready to continue to go nationwide is future ones trent i, I know that it's that time of year to outside of football and volleyball and cross country that has started you guys also are preparing for your winter and spring sports, so now's the time to go ahead and get ahead. If people need to order that, what's the best way they can reach out and get in touch with Future Ones?
6: You know, the probably the best way is just uh, give us a call eight seven seven five eight three zero seven four seven, or you can email sales at future dot Of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and those things. Just look up Future Ones on there. Um, yeah spring sports, winter sports uh, getting a lot of those orders in already. I was just up at uh, at silicaga taking their track order and different things like that. so man we uh, we do every sport, every product you can think of out there, even equipment, um, all of your uh, different gloves, bats, balls, uh, everything you can think of we can sell it.
1: No question that future ones is your local athletic apparel provider. And you can reach out to Future Ones. You can catch them on the Internet. Of course, that is future1s.com. Or you can go to sales at future1s.com. Sales at future1s.com. That number again, 877 877- 5830747 is where you can reach Future Ones. Trent, hope you have safe travels and we look forward to talking to you again next week.
6: Thanks, guys. See
1: ya. Trent Massey joining us this afternoon. As far as Future Ones is concerned, great apparel that you can find. They hook us up here at WNSP and get us right. And all our viewers and listeners that come by to the watch party will have an opportunity to get a future ones WNSP t-shirt and we've already given away so many of those yeah. that that we love the fact the
2: positive response that we've received from passing those out that's right man look in the app we're really breaking down this game of this kid with the 800 yards and the 10 touchdowns so we said that they lost this final score of that game was 82 to 80 Corey Looks like a that's a college basketball score. That's basketball on grass, man. That's that's what that is. Will Hammond over 800 yards himself, 10 touchdowns himself, still lost the game. The other team's quarterback apparently didn't have that big of a game, but the running backs on the other team, 679 yards. And 10 touchdowns combined. Man, they weren't even playing two hand touch no. in that game. They 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 was they was holding up some uh those red capes like some magic. Yeah, Olay. Olay, buddy. Olay.
1: Olay defense. You're talking about Swiss cheese being one of the favorite things for offensive coordinators to expose through the defense. Man, that thing, that defense must have had more holes than Man, your average I, brand of Swiss cheese,
2: Nick. That is that is something. 82 to 80 in a football. Man, the the fans, I bet we're having a great time. Yes. Uh, the I, defensive coordinators, I know that their their blood pressure was high and they were probably on uh medic watch when you know there's an ambulance at every high school game. They were probably the ones in there because
1: <laughs> Man. Steel Tide said was it the game actually 7 on 7 or just without the front defensive 7? It, it was 11 on 11 real high school football but video game numbers. For certain, and we'll see here. I can't even get it up
2: like that on that. It's hard,
1: brother. It's really hard. Coming up next, we'll see how hard it will be for Texas to defeat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Anwar Richardson covers Texas football for OrangeBloods.com. We'll get that Texas perspective coming up next here on The Final Drive.
8: This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNFC
1: 105.5.
2: Welcome back to the Final Drive. And, guys, the moment we've all been waiting for, probably the most hyped-up game over the summer, at least around these parts, right? Texas, Alabama, and we've we talk to Alabama guys all the time. Everyone knows, hey, I'm I'm rooting for the Longhorns, okay. <laughs> but look, a guy that might have my back, and it's gonna give us a different perspective is our guy Anwar Richardson, who covers Texas for OrangeBloods.com. Anwar, how's it going, man? Man, it's going fan,
9: it's going fantastic. I I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. I used to be a uh, NFL rider, so I would go down to Mobile uh, for the Senior Bowl every single year. So uh, you know, so it's good. It's good to have be back in some something Mobile connected uh, with you guys.
1: No the doubt mobile about mobile. it. We 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 love. The Reese's Senior Bowl here in Mobile, Alabama, and being the home of the Reese's Senior Bowl means we get a chance to see some top Texas performers every now and then Mm -hmm. come and visit us and increase their NFL stock. But this weekend, Alabama, Texas, the eyes of Texas are upon t-town for sure and it's gotten real petty to the point to where you look at how texas put the million dollar band up in the nosebleed and upper deck section (laughs) and now the return favor when they come to t-town and tuscaloosa now texas's band is going to be in the nosebleed section that's how you get things started up from a robbery standpoint
9: I you know what, first of all, as a guy who lives in Petty World, who, who as a guy who wakes up and takes a petty shower with my petty soap using my petty tooth brace, I love what Alabama did. I I, I enjoy that. I, I think that is if you're gonna be petty, you you do that right now while you can. You put the fans up there, you you put the band up there. They can only put take a small portion of the band. I actually have no problem. With what Bama did, because I I, I enjoyed Teddy. I, I I enjoyed. I heard it. I was like, oh, well played, Bama. That's kind of cool.
1: I know that Alabama. When you look at this game coming in a year ago, twenty to nineteen, the final Alabama escapes, mm-hmm. but just barely, and it was kind of not necessarily a turning point for Texas and coach Sark, but the relationship that Saban and Sark have with one another, knowing one another and coach Sark giving plenty of praise to coach Saban. I think that Xavier worthy is going to be one of the biggest differences for this Texas squad. I know he really didn't have a stupendous game versus rice and you really didn't see a lot of great things offensively with Quinn Ewers, but Him being injured a year ago was, to me, the difference in Texas winning and losing that game. And we'll see if he's able to stay upright for four quarters come Saturday.
9: Well, yeah, I mean, so I'll reference the game that you talked about last year and then bring it up to the things that you're talking about this year. You know, I think from a University of Texas perspective, that game against Bama last year, to your point, necessarily wasn't the turning point of the season or anything like that. Texas finishes with eight wins. But what it did was kind of reinforce to everybody, especially a lot of the players, that, you know what? This program is heading in the right direction, and they're getting SEC ready. Because when you look back at that game from a Texas perspective, they feel like that was a game that they could have won. You know, when Quinn Ewers was healthy in that game and before he got injured – uh, Alabama didn't have any answers for him. You know, he was moving the ball up and down the field. He was very effective. Sarkeesian was calling it a, a, a perfect game. Uh, and then, But, of course, he gets injured. Uh, the backup quarterback comes in. He gets injured. He's hobbled on the foot. He's, and then so you have that portion of it as well. From a Texas perspective, to look at that thing and said, you know what, <laughs> there was a safety that should have been called. And Bryce Young is tackled in the end zone. Uh, and when it should have been safety, his knee was down. And that call was missed. There was a 20-yard field goal that Texas misses right before halftime. And again, they think to themselves, these things happen here. And, of course, Houdini himself, Bryce Young, gets out of a tackle uh, and then, of course, extends the drive towards the end. And that ends up being kind of a ballgame for Texas there. So they look at it and think to themselves, Alabama escaped. Like, that's how they think. They think Alabama escaped uh, you know, the, the the loss that was supposed to occur. So you fast-forward it to this season – And, yes, they feel like they've got the firepower because you talk about a guy like Xavier Worthy at the receiver position and very astute on your part because he's the guy that many people believe uh, could be a potential first-round pick. And when I say many people, I mean like NFL experts because the thing that Xavier Worthy does extremely well and he does the hard part extremely well is he gets open. To your point, right? If they haven't connected with him, but when you're getting five yards of separation, it's really at that point just on the quarterback to get you the, the ball, and so that's why NFL scouts love him. Is they don't look at you know they look at the film and they say this guy gets open all the time, and so they love that. And they, even Nick Saban talked about. How that's gonna be a matchup for them that you that know, they have to worry about because you know, Nick Saban talked about, hey, this is he's one of the best receivers in the nation. Uh, and so you know Mitzbird's there. They've got another receiver, a transfer from Georgia by the name of A.D. Mitchell. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him, but they have him on the other side. And he was very effective for Georgia when he was there. Uh, and then he transfers into here. So you have those two guys on the outside at the tight end spot. You've got a young man by the name of Jatavian Sanders. He's a junior. He's believed to be the second best tight end in the country. Some people think he could be a first-round pick as well. But you know that that position is always interesting. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a second-day pick. But you look at it, and they, from the skill positions, they've got guys who can match Alabama skill for skill so Texas won't go into this game thinking to themselves how do we hold on for dear life No, they go in saying they've got guys Sarkeesian knows he can call a game plan to attack that Bama defense knowing he's got the speed because he needed that and that's the thing he wanted when he was in the SEC when he was in Bama he realized that he had to get those fast guys and so if Quinn Ewers can deliver the ball and get there on time and avoid that rush everything that you're saying to you, to that point he stays healthy you know they have a chance to make this a, you know a very competitive game based on the skill position guys and by the way they have good guys on the ends of the offensive line the interior of that offensive line didn't look that good against rice so that's a little bit of a concern but from a skill position standpoint they definitely got the dogs
2: We're talking with Anwar Richardson. He covers Texas football for OrangeBloods.com. And look, a lot of the reason maybe Alabama fans out here have felt maybe a little shaky. Now, this is a really overconfident bunch, let me tell you. But a little maybe shakiness (laughs) might have came from the quarterback thing. Who's our starter? We don't know who it is. Now we see Jalen Milrow perform really well week one. Does that have Texas maybe a little more nervous, or are they feeling confident because now we see the tape and who the quarterback is, and we can prepare for it?
9: Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a mixed bag because you know there's there's two things that's involved with that. Is it's that Jalen was able to he looked good, right? And and, he, and let's say, I'm just not He looked really good. Uh, as far as what the, on on that Saturday, and he he looked better than he did before. Now we also have to say that was against Middle Tennessee State, right? So you got to take that into into account. And then what you have to figure out, and what we'll really see and what you'll really know is what will he do against Texas? Texas has a really good defense, guys. You know, and I know we we talked a little bit about the offense and what they were able to do. But from a defensive standpoint, uh, what, and, and again, you, you know, I said you know, do an asterisk, you know, with with Milro because that was against the military Tennessee. I'll put an asterisk against uh, for Texas and what they did against Rice from a defensive standpoint, to be fair. But Rice had 114 yards of offense on their first 10 drives against the Texas defense. They, they finished with 62 yards on the final drive. So they finished with a, t- a total of 176. But when it really counted, it, it they didn't really do anything from an offensive standpoint until the final drive, where you have all the young guys in. Uh, and that, you know, and you guys know how that goes in the game of football. So the deep, they have guys on the defense. They have Tavondre Sweat, defensive tackle, um, you know, who was just really affecting the ball. Uh, you know, and if you believe in anything in Pro Football Focus is concerned, uh, they graded him as the highest defensive tackle. Uh, in the country, uh, in the in, in from week one, as far as effectiveness in getting uh, to uh, the quarterback, I think it's like 35% of the time he was in the backfield. Uh, so he's a good guy you got to keep an, an eye on. They've got, got another defensive tackle by the name of Byron Murphy. They've got guys on the edge who can rush the ball. They've got a linebacker by the name of Jalen Ford. Um, he entered the season as the Big 12 a uh, preseason defensive player of the year. Uh, so he's he so he's very good. Uh he's very effective last year and he's a guy that they lean on a lot uh this year. And and they've got dudes in the secondary man. Like they've they've got dudes. They've got a a cornerback by the name of Ryan Watts who transferred in from Ohio State and, and you know, this is year two for him and he's been very effective. Uh they've got Jod A Barron as a as a corner. Uh they got one of their safeties is a guy by the name of Jalen Catalan used to play for Arkansas uh, but he's one of their starting safeties as well. But, you know, that transfer portal sure, sure could be a great equalizer if you use it, right? So uh, they've got some guys on the defensive side of the ball uh, that they they feel like, you know, they, they, they'll they be able to at least hang. You know, their big thing is tackling. They feel like they, they know he's going to use his feet. They know Melrose has got it. So the real big thing is tackling uh, and making sure they get to him and affect him. So, yes, he played good. Against middle Tennessee State. You cannot deny that. But they, they, there's still this belief that, you know what, he's got some, he, he, there might be some turnovers that's in him. And the, the, the goal will be to put some pressure on that guy to see if those turnovers come out of him.
1: Anwar Richardson, our guest here on The Final Drive, covering Texas football for OrangeBloods.com. And you mentioned Jalen Ford a year ago. He definitely led this team against the Crimson Tide, having 10 total tackles and one sack. So he definitely is that dude. And, if you look at the number of penalties, to me, that was the difference in year ago's game. Alabama penalized 15 times for an entire football field of 100 yards, but neither team turned over the football. So that's something to keep an eye on as well as both teams don't want to give and be plus minus in that category.
9: Yeah, I mean, that's that you guys know that that's the killer right there. Like if the team that starts to turn this ball over, and you know the the team that you would look at them you know immediately you would probably look at okay Texas that's the road team right that's the team that you got to look at and say to themselves all right uh, are are they going to be okay on the road protect the protect that ball they have got a freshman running back uh, who was started uh, last week by the name of C J Baxter out of Orlando Florida former five star uh, there he was the starting running back so you always know with when, when freshmen you just never know like what, how that thing is going to go. You know, they're going to Bam, – Bama's going to pressure Quinn. You know, they're not going to just let him sit back. Because cause Quinn's not a mobile quarterback. So because Quinn Evers is not a mobile quarterback, he's definitely not like Jalen is concerned as far as that is at that is. So – you know they'll put the pressure on him and see if they can force him uh, into some bad throws. But the turnover thing—that's uh, the thing that you're going to have to, you know, worry about. That's the main thing that they've got to just guard themselves against. You know, again, they've got to find the way. If, if, you're, if you're, you know, Texas, you, you've got to find a way to affect him and just throw Jalen off his game. But the turnovers, yes, absolutely. You know, for Texas to win, have a chance to win on the road in a place where they don't lose. So you guys know they don't lose a lot in Tuscaloosa. We've, we've heard all about the 21-game winning streak. We know that it was Joe Burrow. Uh, Who's the guy? The last guy that's won there. We know the, mo- the most notable losses prior to that was Johnny Manziel and Cam Newton. Oh, so just Heisman Trophy winners are the only guys that seem to have a chance to win a Tuscaloosa over the last 10 years or whatever. So they they know what the task ahead, and they know that 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 task has to be. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to air it out like that. They won't be able to ground and pound it. Nobody grounds and pounds against. Alabama they're going to have to win it through the air and but they're going to have to protect the ball as well
2: great stuff Anwar. before we let you go I gotta ask you what is the prediction and what is your expectation for Texas versus Alabama
9: so one of the things I always say is you know just because you can't have it done something doesn't mean you can't do it but I think that you know, for me, I'm still going to predict a Bama win. I think it's a low-scoring game. Um, you know, I'm right now kind of, you know, somewhere in that like 27 to 24 ish kind of range is kind of where my head is 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 at at the moment. Um, but you know, Bama's a tough team. You know, and you know, I, you know, Jalen is is the, is the, the the problem with defending a guy like that who can move, who's that, who's got his feet there. I know Texas is going to get pressure on him. I that I believe like I think that defensive line uh, for Texas is a little bit better than the the Alabama offensive line from all my research and the things I've done and talked to people. I think they're better. But what I'm not worried about them getting the pressure on him. I just when he decides that he's going to get out the pocket and scramble him being able to extend drives extend plays, you know, those kind of things. That's where I think Texas is going to get into a little bit of trouble. Um, but so, the, so I'm going to give Alabama the edge, you, you know, in this matchup. Also, didn't really love what I saw for Texas versus uh, Rice in the in the season opener. I, I would, I wanted to see a little bit more of a dominant team. Uh, so I, I give, I give Bama the edge, but I give them an edge in a very close game. Would it be surprised if Texas somehow pulls it off? Uh, but if I had to put money, my safe money would be on Bama.
2: Great stuff, man. If any of our listeners want to keep up to date with all your Texas coverage, where can they follow you and everything that you're doing?
9: Hey, Yeah, you know what? I I, um, I try to have fun on Twitter, but I'm not one of these uh, homer guys, so you can follow me and not feel like you are got to vomit about uh, the content that I put out. So it's real simple. It's Anwar Richardson, uh, A-N as in Nancy, W-A-R Richardson. That's me. You can find me on Twitter. Also, I do a show, okay, just a free plug for myself, uh, I do a show uh, every uh, Monday through Friday by myself from 8 to 11, uh, called the Old Fashioned Sports Show. Uh, that's on the the Orange Bloods so OB Live channel. So if you ever want to check me out uh, and 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 see my face and not just my voice, uh, I do a show uh, 8 to 11, uh, Monday through thir- Monday through Friday uh, Central Time. You can check me out there as well.
1: And on war. People in the app are yeah. giving me hell about Mobile, <laughs> Alabama. Mobile. He. I, someone I in the said, app says...
9: Said, l- listen, it, listen, listen. I said Mobile. And then the last time I said it, I realized what I said If so I said mobile. <laughs> there you so I, go. Said, I corrected myself. That's what I was saying, man. The, I, said, I yeah, was telling him I said he caught himself, guys. He I caught love himself. love it. I, him I, and look,
2: people it, don't miss anything. I caught
9: myself. I realized I said it wrong no. the first couple of times. I caught it, but they, they heard it. They, they focused That's in it. on right. the early That's mistake. Our, and they couldn't take it that I rebounded. I rebounded.
1: Yeah, I love no. it. I love it, <laughs> Anwar, and and we look forward to hearing and seeing your rebound coverage throughout the season of Texas. As my partner says, <laughs> that Texas will win and, and go oh, to the CFB I'm playoffs. So not. We'll see what happens. He's going against Alabama. He's picking Texas, so we'll, we'll definitely have, we have, have some discussion.
9: So what, which one of those coaches went out with his girlfriend? What's, what, what happened? <laughs> let's, let's get to the bottom of this thing. Yeah, and tune in can, tomorrow. You know, that, that, let's get to what it really is
2: about. Yeah, tune in tomorrow, and I'll, I'll unveil the secrets.
9: <laughs> Sounds great. Appreciate having me on, guys. Yep, Thank thanks.
1: you, Anwar, for jo- joining us here on the Final Drive. And Nick, does it get any better than that, man? When when you have someone who covers Texas in depth knowledge, but still knows what the real deal hey, is look, with the Crimson Tide. I've
2: said it. I said, look, Alabama looked better than Texas on Saturday. They looked better, but. I got a, I got way too much riding on this game. Way too many future predictions. <laughs> Me and Jake Crane, man, we can't just be coming in every Friday saying, oh shucks," we gotta be right about something. Hey, we already, hey. I'm already saying, "Aw shucks," about LSU feasting on crow. And look, there's a buffet line, and it, and it may have feathers in it, Nick. Nah, man, it's 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 got ivory ivory plates man big old <laughs> elephant trunk stakes.
1: <laughs> love it love it we'll wrap up the final drive here in just a moment
9: hi this is espn founder bill rasmussen and you're listening to wnsp mobile
1: to the final drive as we wrap things up here today. I want to thank Daryl Daprich locked on Auburn, George Teague, the former Alabama All-American, as well as Tommy Hicks from the Lanyap. Along with Anwar Richardson, OrangeBloods.com, joining us all here on the final drive. And don't, and tomorrow, don't forget our surprise appearance by South Alabama Jaguars Kane head coach. Womack yep. joined us to talk about turning things around this week against Southeastern Louisiana. Tomorrow, you don't want to miss, as we get the NFL started, we'll talk with
2: the voice of the New Orleans Saints. Nick, looking forward to that. Yeah, and look, they got uh, there's a little... I don't know if it's controversy or what, but they're down a quarterback. It's controversial. And Jameis, look, best backup quarterback in the league. He's officially the backup, at least for what, six weeks? Yeah. PEDs
1: suspended. Saints fourth-round draft pick at quarterback gets into a little trouble with the PEDs, and we'll have Jamie Sheriff – From the South Alabama Jaguars defensive line, led the Jaguars in tackling. Lindsey Crosby will catch us up with Major League Baseball. We'll have the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report with Drew DeArmond and Ansley Lee, both talking Tide and Tigers with us tomorrow, so you don't want to miss that show as well. It's been another phenomenal edition here of the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Football, football, and more football right. always
2: getting you ready. Hey, America lost to Lithuania. There's your, your ba- NBA basketball update. Team USA. They, they, they bounced back. They did bounce back, but we. it's been so football heavy. that I think that happened on, what, Sunday? It did. That was it my did. first mention of it. And now they're bouncing back. That's right. So we'll see what happens. We'll bounce
1: back tomorrow here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5.